0: Welcome back, my friends, to The Sweet Spot, where IT leaders share the insight with other leaders and others that want to lead. It's Carlos Vargas, and I think every week I have my two co-hosts, Howard Holden and Paul Lewis. Hey there. Hey, guys. Traveling at home.
1: Yes. Both of those at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I've done that before. The last time I did that was an Agile conference. It was a lot of fun. Um, I learned a ton, but they're like, we'd really like you to—they—they they were paying for it, right? And they're like, we'd really like you to stay at the hotel. And I'm like, but I live in Denver. <laughs> like, yeah, we'd still like you to stay at the hotel. It's easier for you to participate. Like, otherwise, you're just going to race home and have dinner. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, it's fine. I was just going to save you some bucks, you know. So uh, I show up, and the hotel's like, "Um, thank you for staying with us, Mr. Holton. We've um, we we've got you in an upgrade. Um, I hope it's okay. I'm like, it's a waste, but sure, it's fine. Okay, well, we put you in the presidential suite." <laughs> Ooh. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I go check in, get to the presidential suite. It has seating in the main room area for 21 people. Nice. I counted all the seats.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Right. It has a bigger dining room table than my dining room table at home. <laughs> it was a glass it's- tub. And I'm like, no, it was all it was all done in like a like a like a very Denver design. So it's all like it's all like a hunting cabin design. Got it. Um, It was really cool. So I called my wife. I'm like, honey, look, I know this is going to be difficult for you. I know this is going to be a pain, but you really need to come stay at this hotel for (laughs) at least one night. The total and utter and absolute waste for me otherwise.
2: Oddly enough, I recently talked to three people who know you who also live in Denver. And I said, how often do you you know, grab a meal with Howard, as an example? And their answers were, Howard lives so far away, it's hard to call it Denver.
1: <laughs> Would that
2: be interesting? <laughs> like all three of them essentially said the same thing.
1: Well, so so last night, my friends from Canada came down to New Mexico. That's how we refer to it internally. Because <laughs> they're, they're so far north, we call them Canada. Uh, we're so far south, they call us New Mexico. I see.
2: So, who may you? have been the same person I was talking to? One of the three,
1: uh, I, yeah. I so you're far away from downtown. Is, is one of the three an attorney? No, okay, then it wasn't the three okay. people I'm right. talking about.
2: Uh, we, uh, I also live far from downtown, I live a two hour commute, so I'm back to back in Toronto. I'm, I'm
1: 25 do. minutes from downtown, downtown. Oh, I see, That's like a, it's not Denver's not 20. really that big. I'm an yeah. athlete, the guy in Canada to me is an hour, I see. Fifty minutes,
0: I, actually. I am forty-five minutes from the airport, and I'm which, still in the city. Which airport? The that's Miami airport. Oh, Miami airport. Yeah, the FLL is probably thirty, because one is down, the other one is like the opposite direction. Right. Uh, and if you take, if you get traffic, you're gonna be in the ninety-five for an hour and a half. Mm. Oh
1: no! See, that's the lovely thing about where I live. It is twenty-six minutes to the airport. I don't care what time you leave. Rush hour, it's 26 minutes to the airport. Nice. No. It's high- always 20, there's, well, it's, it's a toll road to get to the airport from my house. So there's never uh, C470. And so there's okay. never any traffic to be spoken of. You know what I mean? Like you may have 30 seconds of slowdown, but that's it. Right. Um, there's construction, but even the construction, I can't tell you the last time I had a, a true construction slowdown.
2: No toll roads from my house to downtown. And it took me two and a half hours this morning.
1: No, they told you in time, not money. That's right. <laughs>
2: right.
1: And your speed limits are wonky slow.
2: Yes. Yeah. There are very few one ten kilometer per hours here. So few I only know of two.
1: Right. We, and and that's on the high end.
2: That high it's as high as it gets. A regular right, right. highway would be a hundred.
1: Yeah, which it's is kilometers 60. an hour, which is yeah. sixty two. Sixty two, yeah. Right. One ten is
2: as high as we get. And that is you'd have to be very, very rural on a highway to get to one ten.
1: No. So the, the freeway for me, the, that C-470 is 75. Yep. We have mostly 70s. Um, everyone does 85 and no one cares.
0: <laughs> I see. Isn't there a road in Montana that is like no speed limit? It, or something it, used, like? it used to be
1: true. Um, Mon- so historically, um, the speed limits on the freeways were set by the federal government. Right, um, and so for a long time, you'd have states where the state highways had higher speed limits than the freeways, um and so the federal government, well, okay, like we originally set that because of the gas gas crisis, and fifty five was determined to be this kind of nice mix of fuel efficiency right so no we no longer care you're the state you can set it set it yourself, and Montana went, okay, cool, we're just not going to set one <laughs> well because. I mean, if you thought about it, if they gave every single person that came into Montana a sign and said, we want a sign put up every five miles, it would take them 35 years to put up signs. I see. Like, there's no one in the state. The state is, is so yeah. empty. Um, and then it got taken advantage of, let's say, and so they've changed it, and now they've put up signs, and there are speed limits, which I still think are 80. Wow. 80 like, it's, a, it's a generous speed limit. And there's so many divided highways, right, where it's it's... 30 feet, and there's no loops for 40 miles. That I've heard (laughs) you could do 135 and no one's going to stop you. Wow,
2: I've heard it's rumored.
1: Does it not feel unsafe at that speed? I've heard it does not. I've heard in the right vehicle, it feels fine. Yeah,
0: Yeah, in in the right vehicle getting from miami to Gardner conference you can do around 120.
1: oh i've done 120 on the freeways in florida yeah. supposedly yeah.
0: So,
1: <laughs> theoretically. theoretically theoretically yes so, i mean so... i mean i did all of that all of that outside the statute of limitations like there's no but, <laughs> but yeah i mean the, the, the florida freeways do they even turn
0: like yeah it's, they're flat as hell right i can't a little bit they right. actually turn so you don't fall asleep <laughs> there's no gator
2: crossings there's
0: no no because there's barely no water so if you oh. go down west like literally where i live is the last highway where you get to the everglades right that area they actually put gates and like fences right so the so gators will not cross right. because you're going right in between right the everglades. But going towards Orlando, you don't see them. When you get to Orlando, that's a different story. You may yeah. see some. Right? They're not called, they're not, when they're on the highway, they're not called alligators. They're called Florida speed bumps. <laughs> nice. So we laugh a lot. There's a lot of different um, traits that we as leaders need. To be able to help a company grow. I think that our audience, as they're going getting ready for this last quarter and planning for the next, maybe in a planning phase or helping define how the company that they work for or their team may want to move forward. Can we jump into how probably leaders get into the process how do they become a active participant on the growth for the company i kind of like that you combined it to combine two of the topics we're going to talk about
2: <laughs> even though on the surface one could argue they were going to be separate but i now see how you've combined them right so we talked about in many ways the executive or the cto or the cio as an entrepreneur and what kind of traits you need as that entrepreneur. But then on the other side, are those entrepreneurial traits of a CIO CTO used in the process of um, contributing to the growth planning of an organization? Right? Let that's worthy of a deep dive. And let me do a setup before
0: well, I, I think
1: know how No, I think the I think the question's even broader than that, right? Like, even broader. <laughs> if we look at a startup, yeah. Um, and you look at what makes a successful startup. It's often said you need two people. You need a hustler and a hacker, right? Right. Yep. The hustler is that sales guy, the Steve Jobs. You need a hacker, the person that builds the thing called Wozniak. Yes, it, they're they're the alt, penultimate um, hacker and hustler, right? And so, if that's what's required to to start a tech startup, to start a startup that that works and is functional and grows and and has the th- those things that are necessary, is that also the job of the CIO then to be the the hustler within the technology function to help the business grow, and instead of having one hacker, they have a whole—they have teams of hackers to help execute that vision. Look at you—you've made the bridge, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk
2: about both of those things, but let's talk about the entrepreneur one first. So let's set a premise, and you can agree or disagree with the premise, but let's set the premise that there is. Um, a valuable set of traits for a CIO or CTO to be, in many ways, an entrepreneur. It could be because you're part of a startup. It's a technology startup or a a scientific startup, or it's because you have some sort of entrepreneurial spirit in IT in a large organization. But both can be true, right? Um, It's quite possible it's a technology company that's, let's say, a people services company. And while you might be a small internal technology team, they're still giving you a level of empowerment to have some sort of entrepreneurial spirit. Okay. So given that um, I recently watched a presentation that would suggest that there's sort of key VC traits to this kind of entrepreneur, whether it's a business entrepreneur or CTO. And, And I thought they were interesting enough we could talk about. So the three key traits are grit. This is somebody who, you know, has, you know nerves of steel that are rolling up their sleeves and persevering through the the complexities of finding your way through the process of of seed money and first round and second round and you know discovering all the programs that are in place to do that it's a lot of work that if you've never done it before you're really on sort of the leading edge you're the learning edge that's number one number two that you can you can tell a story right that you pitch well that uh that the narrative of what you're trying to become because it it hasn't realized been realized yet um is something that you're skilled at doing and then finally that you have a bias to action in fact you use the word already hustle right Uh, that that you're working the 90 hours you're driving your team to deliver on some sort of proof of concept so those are the three grit narrative bias do you buy those is it not true, is it more than one person, is there a fourth, fifth, sixth?
1: I mean, I still think it's I think it's two people, right? Um, I think like if we think of tech startups especially, we see a lot of the hackers, right? Um, and, and then we also see a lot of hustlers, but we don't see that combo together. And I think it requires that combo together as two different people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's other things that are missing from the list as well. Like um, if you're going to be a successful founder um, I think you need a bias towards trust mm. right? Um, and at the very least, you you have to have a bias towards trust to your co-founder or co-founders plural. Right. Um, I think you I think it requires a massive network right Um, I don't think you can get away being a founder without a focus on your network, right? All of the things that you kind of have to do before you find yourself in that role, I think are are also some of the intangibles, but I think they're also the same things that make a good CIO, right? I think a good CIO should think of themselves as the CEO of a tech startup, Hmm. right? Um, Where their customer base isn't the total addressable market of anything, but rather the company itself. And and then the B2B to C relationship is the customers of the company that you work for. So is there a parallel? Like I'm thinking...
2: In an entrepreneurial sense, especially one that's coming, let's say, out of academia, one of the more important stakeholders is like your advisory board, right? Uh, You might have a medical advisory board or uh, something about research or academic or, you know, a VC type advisory board member, somebody to help you get the money. Is there an equivalent as an entrepreneurial CTO, whether it be stakeholders inside the organization or stakeholders outside of the
1: organization. I, I think it's both stakeholders inside and outside the organization, right? Um, and I think we, we we are really good at feeding one and not really good at feeding the other, mm. typically, right? Um, like if you're listening to this and you're, a, and you're a tech executive, think about who is your advisory board inside the business and have you done a good job building it and care and feeding for it? Forget about if you've ever thought about it in that language, because most of us haven't, like I haven't until this conversation, <coughs> but it serves the same function right my peers inside the business they don't have to be techn- tech 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 knowledgeable they have to know knowledgeable that's good knowledgeable <laughs> they, they they i totally didn't just make that up right now um, <laughs> they, they but they have to be able to advise you on is your are are the actions you do within technology achieving the stated business goals that you have right um, and, and if they're not doing that well, one, have you asked them? Like, have you set them up for success? And two, are they the right peers for you to have? Are they the right advisors for you to have within the business? Mm-hmm. And then externally, you should have some as well, right? Um, being a CIO and working in tech, um, there's actually, uh, unlike a lot of the other pieces of the business, we can have a much more direct relationship with, with, with people in a similar role in direct competitors, mm-hmm. right? Because we don't, for the most part, Right to talk kind of broadly and 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 stereotypically, we don't really compete the same way. Right. We all stand on each other's shoulders. So, um, so who, who who are those people? Right? Who are your external advisors? Who are your who are from buying organizations that are up to you? Right? Um, do you have people that are external to the organization that can that can talk about how easy your company is to deal with, to 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 buy from, to interact with, to to partner with? If you don't, those definitely need to go on that advisory board. Right? And then do you have mentors? I, I don't care who you are. You should have a mentor. Oh, well, right. And all of those people come together to make up that advisory board in the same exact way. If you started your out on your own and you were the CEO of a new tech startup, you'd have an advisory board made up very much the same way. Right. It'd be the people that invested in you and thus have a vested interest. It'd be made up of customers. It'd be made up of partners. It'd be made up of mentors. All of all of whom are now motivated to see you succeed in the same way the whole list I just gave were motivated to see you succeed. Some to a much greater level than others, you know. And one
2: could argue, especially in the entrepreneurial side, the role of the advisors to is to fill in all the gaps. So you're not looking for overlap in the Venn diagram. You don't need an advisor necessarily that knows what you know. You need an advisory that absolutely knows things you don't know. Right? <laughs> Somebody who knows how to get money. Some who have commercialized uh healthcare technology in the past like thing information that you don't have that you could you know use in in a real time sense i don't
1: i don't have a lot of i don't i'm trying to think of an advisor i have that knows what i know Mm. i can't think of one and i can't think of a situation where that was the thing that i was missing like there's overlap sure but the overlap is these minor little slices of overlap Right. right and for me like if you if you like put yourself at the center of the Venn diagram and you go, this is everything that I know. And then as you start overlapping, you're, you should have a whole ring that is completely overlapped, but it shouldn't really go any deeper than that. Otherwise, aren't you wasting a bunch of energy? Wow. You're just
2: hearing the same information you right. already know.
1: Right. right, I don't want it echoed back back at me. I want the perspective I don't have, not the perspective I already freaking have. It, right?
2: And my guess is it happens less than 5% of the time that sure. you have an, a you have an advisory board, which is already not likely. But let's let's say you do have an advisory board, it's made up of your friends and family, right? People you already know, which isn't helpful because they already know you intrinsically. Or it's made up of technology vendors, again, which also isn't helpful because they're motivated by selling you product, right? Uh, What it isn't filled with is more mentors than you think you should have and more – even though if they're peers, they're peers in another industry – or at a different scale
1: or... They... Different scale, different scale, different yeah. scale, different scale, different scale, different scale. Exactly, um, yeah. Other industry is easy. Different scale is hard. And I don't know that there's a whole lot of people that concentrate on that. That's one of the things that I always look for is what can I learn... F- if, if my scale was drastically different, what could I learn from that?
2: Right. Yeah. Uh, from I 100 people to 1,000 people, do I lead differently?
1: Yeah. yeah. From a, if I go from a startup to a megacorp, Right. How does that change? What's the dynamic? How does the job change? How does the role change? How does the language itself change fundamentally? Right. Right.
2: And if your advisory panel, your advisory group also includes internal resources or internal executives, this is this leans on one of the pet peeves I usually have is, you know, I have peers that might say, you know, you have internal IT operations and therefore I am your client. Uh, You are my vendor to me. And my response to them is always, absolutely not. (laughs) I might have teams of people that perform and create a service for you, but we are peers. We, (laughs) I am not your, uh, you're not my customer. I am not your vendor. That's not the relationship we're going to have. The relationship (laughs) we're going to have is that we're mutually delivering on value for the
1: company. And and I'm okay with the other relationship. I'm okay because... If I am, in fact, your vendor, then I can fire you at any time. <laughs> right. Right. And let's see how well the business operates when I fire you. Right. And then we can come back to the table and talk about how the business actually operates and how much value we both have in that.
2: <laughs> right. Like or if you,
1: if, if you, if of are first saying. conversation is to establish subservience, that's not going to fly very well. Instead, I'd rather just fire you. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Sure> <laughs> that,
2: that's a good response. I've never responded that way. I've usually responded... No, no, we're both measured the same way, i.e. the financials of the company. And therefore we're working together to actually grow this business. I'm not delivering you services to which you consume so that you can grow the business. That's not that's not the relationship we're going to have.
1: It's not the relationship we should have. Yeah, right. Uh, There are a lot of organizations um, that look at it that way. And shorthand, like you can look at it that way. You are providing services to the business to help the business succeed right i don't think we've said that a different way but you are not subservient to the vp of bullshit because the vp of bullshit consumes your services <laughs> right like that's not the way that works and yet there's a ton of i'm sure there's a ton of executives that that absolutely feel that way
2: yeah
1: right i mean it's okay to be wrong as long as you learn from it
2: <laughs> which leads me to the other half of the conversation right to say you know if if technology executives could be considered entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial within the organization. They've got to have these skills. And you described sort of the gaps in the, in the three that I described, then how should we expect the CIO and CTO to contribute and participate in the growth program of an organization? And if so, how, and if I were to describe sort of the stages of that growth program, so the stages of the growth program would include define. So define means, uh, what's our think of it as our um our internal um current state right uh what's what's the acronym we use the SWOT, right what's our strength weakness opportunities and threats how, how do we assess our business model right how do we document it in a canvas things like that that's the define analyze is saying well let's 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 get some data on this let's Let's get an appreciation over the last five years of financials, where we're good and where we're bad, where we're bad, where we're profitable, where we're not, where our margins are, where our utilization is, that kind of stuff. And then externally, well, where do we fit into the bigger picture? Right, we're we're a piece of a much bigger ecosystem. Or what's our market share? What do our competitors do? Um, and I often ask the question, who are our competitors now? Who do we want our competitors to be? Because I sure. think those are two different questions, right? So. Yeah.
1: And what are our competitors like who are our competitors now and what are they not doing that we then want to do? Right. Right. How uh, are they not serving the market? And, and in many ways, how are they not serving us?
2: So define, analyze and then strategize. So now that we have our business model canvas, what changes do we want to make and what kind of outcome do we think that's going to produce? Right. Uh, implement. So here's a set of tactical activities. The presumption is, of course, CIO and CTO is is implementing some of those activities. And then finally, monitoring now that we've implemented the activities and we see it operating, now we've got to come back and say, did it actually work? So of those four programs, so back to the original question, should the CIO and CTO participate in the growth program, even as an entrepreneur or as some other executive? And then how would they participate in each of the phases?
1: Um, well, considering you're not making any money today without technology, right? And let's, like, I'll, I'll give you, if there's an argument to be made that you, you could, so, but you won't have a CIO or a CTO. Right. Right. Um, then, yes, the CIO and CTO should absolutely be part of those conversations. It's very mm-hmm. hard. Because, uh, otherwise, you're saying we need to make new money because that's what growth is. It's new money. Um, And we're going to do it in a way that is somewhat different than how we've done before. Because, again, otherwise it's not a growth program. Um, I want to do X, Y, and Z. Cool. Everybody not tech figures it out and then comes to tech and says, we're ready to do this thing. Go make it happen. (laughs) At which point the tech goes, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) Or it's
2: $100 million. (laughs) Right.
1: Or, hey, to do it that way, it's going to cost... 100 million (laughs)
0: dollars or
1: um hey it's actually way easier to do it this way or seven of our competitors already tried that and it failed and you don't know about it because you didn't talk to any of the technologists (laughs) who follow that sort of thing right right so yes there's no advantage to not having them in the room now i will tell you if you if your organization like if you're a cio sorry if you're a ceo or you're a coo and you're like "Uh, not my CTO, huh, not my CIO. You have the wrong one. <laughs> right. That, that's <laughs> a key problem right there. Right? You don't think they can contribute to growth programs. You have the wrong one. Yeah. Right? Like, like seriously, just replace them. Find another one. Um, there's plenty. If you need some recommendations, reach out to us. We're happy to help you find somebody. Um, so you. yes, they should absolutely unequivocally be in the room. Right. And the goal there is how do I leverage technology to help enable that thing to happen? Mm. And how do I say, no, 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 let's steer this direction. If you're the technology expert in the room, then you really need to understand how is the business that you're in or want to be in best set to utilize technology? And what should they do to be better set to utilize technology? Mm. Right. And so as you go through every one of those steps there is definitely a technology imperative to some degree and maybe a hundred percent, you know, maybe the new, the new market you're going to move into has marketing and tech and nobody else. That's entirely possible, plausible. Right. Um, But I find it hard to believe that, that modern growth in an organization that has a CIO and or a CTO would have a growth initiative that technology should not be involved in.
2: And I don't believe it matters what the company does, whether it's, Produces and sells cookies, or no, actually, is a data product company. Doesn't matter at all. It's the same participation. Correct. Right. Um, and maybe you know your CIO, CTO is new. They're three months in, but at the very least, that's both an education for that person, and they're going to bring unbiased external opinion right out of the box. Right. There's, the only thing they have is unbiased, objective external opinion. That's yeah. great. Consume that as if it's you know raw data.
1: Well, uh, let's use the cookie example. Yeah. What are you going to do with cookies that doesn't involve a machine? You're doing it at scale. Again, you're a company that has a CIO and a CTO. Right. You're doing it at scale. So there's machines involved. If there's right. machines involved, there's data being generated. Right. And if you're launching a gross initiative today and you're like, oh, we don't care about the data, fire yourself.
2: <laughs> like
1: you're the wrong person to be in the room. Right right? The world is about data. Data is going to tell you whether you're running well or running poorly. So data must be in the room, which means your CIO and your CTO must be in the room. Just understanding the protocols that you need to talk is important today. Understanding how the new factory should be designed to produce your new cookie line is all all about a data and tech question long before it's about a people question. Right. So let's
2: go through the five steps just because, you know, we have time and I think it would sure. be intellectually appealing. Uh, so define, right? So define, think of this as as the SWOT, right? The current state. Um, do we think that there's any technological implications to strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats?
1: Absolutely. In every single one. Why, yeah. why would there not be, right? It, um, both as a
2: limitation and as sure an advantage. Don't you sure. want to know that we have a 70% not current? 70% of our infrastructure and software is not supported by the original vendor to which I bought
1: it. Well, even even then even if we, even if we say this is a whole like we're gonna stand up a parallel business, great. I have no people that can do that or, or I have seven people that are perfect for that that know how we work now. Right. I could move those seven people over, right We could jump start the technology side of this business relatively easily. right Or hey, um, we can also enable technology to query the existing workforce to see how many of them are familiar with competitors that exist within this space. All of that is a technology question.
2: And skill sets, right? If you look at the current state to say, yep. if we want to do something different, can we do it with the team that we have? Or do we have to look at augmenting our team to support new skill sets? Well, so I mean, on the yeah. analyze side, which is much more of a data centric thing, you know, I'm going to have to work with finance, obviously, to yep. find the last six years worth of interesting data. But I probably have to do that with operations. I probably have to do that with supply chain. I probably have to do that with product management. I've got to go through the organization and say, if data exists to produce information, right, that I can use to make a decision on, let me help you get to the point where you can bring, you can surface that outcome,
1: that output sure. so that sure. I can and make that available. Finance is going to look at the market and say, these are our nine competitors. Yeah. These are the three that have parity to us. These are the two that are larger. These are the, uh, what did I leave left there? Uh, f- four that are smaller. These are the two that we think would be good acquisition targets. Cool. Technology needs to be involved in that. And that, okay, cool. In order for us to do that, option one is going to take us seven and a half years to integrate because they look nothing like us. Option two is going to take six months to integrate because they look a lot like us. And oh, by the way, we have 111 people that used to work for them. Right. Right. Like again I don't see a point where and and that's just nap, back of the napkin math on where you'd plug a tech executive in instantly right there's a thousand other places where you'd where you'd want to look but those are big obvious blocks
2: yeah and there's all that internal data with all those internal you know um, um, environments whether it's utilization or sort of the finance the, the the achievement but then the external stuff to say where do I fit in the ecosystem right am I Am I wallet share one percent? Am I wallet share thirty percent? Right? Am I am I number ten in the list of vendors, or my number three in the list of vendors? And if you don't really know that, you're not going to appreciate that. Uh, I we did talk about competitors just a second ago, and I did have a lunch with, uh, you know, I want to use the word startup, but it's they, they've been doing it for thirteen years, right? One could argue that that they've been successful to a certain extent, but then they've, you know, they've They've hit a wall in many ways, and that wall might have been six years long. They're, they're, they're okay, but they haven't got to a point where they've been able to dramatically grow. Yep. And I asked the relatively simple question. I said, um, given over 13 year years period of time, your product that you've created has exploded, right? It's, it's grown up dramatically. Who are your, your intended competitors to start with? Who are your competitors now? And what do you actually, who do you want to actually be your competitor going forward? And the entrepreneur was, I don't have any of those answers. We we didn't think about it when we started. We uh, were just an interesting problem to solve. Now, my answer is all these companies, which is insane. You can't be a competitor to all these companies. And then I haven't thought about what the future may hold. Who do I really want to be compared to? And, and that's the key question. It's not who your competitors are, but who do you want to be compared to? Because if you want to be compared to somebody who has a $10 billion R&D and you have a $100,000 R&D, that's a problem. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get compared to that list. Get compared to a list that's relatively of the same size of you, right? So that you're not always going to be behind the scenes. So does that, does that resonate? Is that, does that a question I asked make sense and should we ask it of our own teams in our own
1: country. Oh, we absolutely should. Um, at, at the same time, I, I, I don't think I agree with you on tilting at windmills. Interesting. Right? Okay. Um, dragons get killed every day, right? And 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 if you look at a lot of the dragons, right, a lot of these big monolithic organizations, being compared to them isn't bad. Being compared to them in a positive light makes you an acquisition target by them. Okay, cool. That's a nice. That could be a nice exit. But um, also they stagnate and calcify like crazy right and sometime being compared to them and adding the word agile or adding the word relevant makes all the difference in the world hmm. right you're like sap but you're more agile you're like sap but you're more relevant eh, it's not bad things to hear right even if you are 1000th the the revenue of an sap or an amazon or a microsoft or a insert walmart right i guess
2: it depends on whether you think your competitive differentiation is your set of features Because my point to them was, you won't be able to compete in the set of features, because they can always deliver more features than you.
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: Compete on some other angle, and agility might be that angle, right? It's knowing the phone number for the CEO, right? That's the differentiator, like you better support because you're not calling a 1-800 number. Those are reasonable. But if you're comparing 100 features to 100 features, you're not going to win that game.
1: If no, I, I, I agree, right? I mean, ultimately, if all it takes is a few dollars to, to reach parity with whatever your offering is, then your offering doesn't actually have value. Right. Right. And, and patent protection only lasts so long. That's true. Right. Patent protection only lasts until someone figures out a workaround of the patent.
2: Okay. So we talked, define, analyze, so strategize, strategize is to right. be, right? As is data to support where I am in the world to be, what if I look at my business model canvas and say, okay, I want to change my value proposition, I want to add these customer segments, I want to go to this geography, I want to spend differently than I earn, all of those dimensions of your business model, where does the CIO and CTO participate if it's not a technology company, if
1: if we're selling cookies? Again, if we're selling cookies, logistics and supply chain is still a technology, technology is a major influencer in that. How are we going to track market demand? How are we going to predict? How are we going to analyze? Like, what are we going to do? Again, it comes back to data, right? Um, how do we know, how are we going to make a decision? Then how are we going to validate the decision? Where, where are we going to sell cookies, right? And then how do I validate that we're selling cookies in the right place to the right people in the right way? How do we know we're selling the right cookies in the right place in the right way? All of that is a technology question, even if, it's, even if you never touch the last mile from a technology standpoint. But everything you just said were examples of the implement, the how. I'm talking about the what here. Right? Yeah, but talking so
2: about business, canvas. I currently sell all of my cookies to
1: teenagers. Okay. I really want to start
2: selling it to seniors.
1: Okay, so so how are we going to reach seniors? It's not your background, right? As oh, a okay. CEO, that's all I'm saying.
2: Is now we're getting to a territory where I don't, I, I haven't spent 30 years selling cookies.
1: I don't necessarily know what sure, it means. Sure, sure. But cookies. but if I want to if I want to change markets and reach a new market, that's Martech that's marketing technology, the CIOs and CTOs still have to be able to support the technology side of the marketing effort. Right. Right. Otherwise, you're telling marketing, hey, Martech is really complex. And rather than have a technology partner to work with you, go figure it out on your own. But do you think that the
2: CIO, CTO, A, should come up with interesting ideas, right? I think we should go up seniors. Or can participate at the same level of the rest of the executives to say whether that idea makes sense or not?
1: It doesn't, it? I mean... Yes, they should be able to they should be able to be in the room and have an opinion. Right. But but I want to I just want to clarify something. There is no room in which every executive contributes to the same level mm-hmm. and whose contribution is reviewed at the same level. There's no room that's that doesn't happen in any room. That's exactly right. what I wanted you to say.
2: <laughs> that's what I was pushing you
1: on. Because I knew you were gonna say
2: it because I've heard you say it before. <laughs> it's absolutely true. While you're all peers in the room, you don't have all peer knowledge. It's perfectly fine to have an opinion, an uninformed one, <laughs> even, even if there are more right. informed opinions in there. That's okay. That's yeah. expected. But it's also not expected that you are informed on everything. You're not the CFO. You can't possibly have all gap knowledge.
1: Well, right. well, and to, to that point, right? If we're like, well, we sell the kids today, we want to sell the seniors tomorrow, yeah. right? Um, the marketing person should be the expert in the room on how best to reach seniors today. Right. Fi- the financial person should know what is the market rate for a cookie that seniors will buy, right? Like the sales I'll, person I'll know how many outlets cookie. are there. The, oper- yeah, the production person should know what is the difference in flavor profile and packaging for a senior. Like, y- you know what I mean? And so it'd be weird if the finance person was like, well, I think I totally disagree with you on the, on the packaging. I, you're, you are full of shit and everybody just goes, well, I, I mean, sure. It's, a, it's now one-to-one let's go from there. No, 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 no. If there's someone in the room who <laughs> is more weighed, weighed positively and, and the CTO and CIO should have an opinion. I mean, especially since, since they've, you know, um, they're, all of the C-levels kind of skew to an age. And so they're probably more, more likely to have someone in the room who gums their cookie. And maybe that's the CIO and the CTO.
2: And I would go as far
1: as to say, recognizing what your
2: limitations in the room or knowledge limitation is valuable. Right to 100%. say in the room. Listen, I don't have thirty years of cookies, so I'm going to rely on you, Ms. Supply Chain, Ms. Operations, to have that knowledge. And I'm, you know, I'm going to receive the feedback as somebody objective, and I'm going to reflect back what I just heard. That is still a valuable 100%. exercise.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. But it but it does require you to say stuff like that. Like, look, this isn't my space. Right. But these are my thoughts. Take them for what they are. I, you know, I'm in the room, so you might as well hear them.
2: The last two stages are the much. The the most obvious place where the CTOs and CIOs play, right? Implement, right? There's going to be a a series of tasks. A good portion of them are technologically based, right? One's going to implement a digital transformation program, which ultimately this is, right? Um, And guess what? A good portion of that is either application-centric or data-centric. And my guess is that's under the domain of the CIO, CTO. Just throwing it out there, right?
1: Just a guess. (laughs) So you're
2: responsible for
1: doing that. Again, though, if it's not. If it's not, you probably have the wrong CIO and CTO.
2: <laughs> Correct. If they're abdicating the responsibility to deliver these tasks, that's
1: Wait, a or if you're all sitting around the room and going, "Okay, we need to implement this. It's a we need we need to have up to date data. We're gonna have to drive some insights. We're gonna have to be able to to be agile and react on data as it's coming into us live. Should we talk to Bill? And everybody else <laughs> in the room goes, "Oh fuck, Bill. You <laughs> okay. have the wrong person. Right? What you should do instead is look at the finance person or if there's or if the hr person's in the room which they also should be because you're going to have to staff yeah you should go hey um while you're staffing for the new cookie factory and cookie distribution and cookie sales um staff for a new cio right right. like the the, the time to let Kind of the old guard go is probably beyond when you're like, hey, we have got a growth initiative. Like you probably should have thought about it beforehand, and that and that's not restricted to the CIO and the CTO, yeah, right. But anyone with a with a C title that's going to be in that room that can't think their way outside a paper bag, yeah, probably time to replace them. True, right?
2: and the implement isn't just the do. In other words, we've defined a list of things that we have to do, but it's also the precedence, right? It's already it's also the order, it's also the cost and how that impacts your current budget all of those are
1: right it's how ready you are for it yeah it's, are those even the right decisions right, right? like it, it's it's all of that that's required um organizational change control uh you know project management change management all of that is required um and again if if that's the point that you bring in the cio it's way too late it's way too late because you're, you're going to end up redoing like just to stack up. You're gonna redo 20% of the strategy, 10% of the analysis, and five percent of the definition. Right. Right. Do you really want to redo all that? it's, it's a waste of time. And 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 I'm being nice on the percentages. <laughs> there have been plenty of times where I've been called in and I'm like, yeah, we're not doing any of that. Yeah, we can't
2: do any of this. we are not equipped to, to do
1: any of that. I mean, if you add a if you add a comma to the budget, I'll make it happen.
2: <laughs> right. right. This requires an entirely new ERP at hundred million dollars.
1: <laughs> yes, and guess what? Every other system that that touches is ten years out of date. <laughs> right. And we have to bring eighty percent of those up to date. Right. Um, and our staff is also eighty percent out of date. And before you start looking at me and shaking your head, I don't mean the IT staff is eighty percent out of date. I'm also looking at everyone around the table because guess what? IT is a spider. We touch all of your employees as well. They're right. also out of date. <laughs> right. right whereas if you start start with define and the cio says that you go you go okay well what do we do well what do we do is we stand it up as a separate wholly owned subsidiary and then we don't have any of those problems and then the integrations are, mo- are much more minor and we can we can you know change over time yeah. or whatever whatever it happens to be you know.
2: so final stage monitor which is relatively close to analyze right analyzes past till now Monitors now to future, right? So I'm 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 forecasting and predicting rather than you know descriptive analysis. But in many ways, same technological implementation. Um, it might be a different set of technologists, right? It might They're be
1: also granular. Where analyzes yeah. isn't designed to be as granular, right? Yeah, and real time and up to date. It may require new information, right? What What I knew from before is not also- and prescriptive, and you know. Okay.
2: So, but still familiar IT work, I guess is sort of my point. There. Sure. Uh, which, which is good. It's just, you know, more more reports and dashboards to build. So if you were to summarize, uh, CIO and CTO is a required, as part of the growth program of any organization.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Summary. Yes, absolutely.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: <laughs> um, but this also means if you're going to be a CIO, if you're going to be a CTO, then you must have a growth mindset. There is no two ways about it. Right? You you have to move out of the I'm I'm responsive to whatever is in front of me. I answer help desk tickets and I balance a budget. It's not the job. It hasn't been the job for a decade. Right. Growth mindset is absolutely required. If you have a one-on-one with the CEO, and please, I hope you're not reporting to the CFO anymore, and you're not spending half of that time suggesting. Ways to improve how the business makes money, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) And the other half should be them telling you how they'd like to make money and you listening. Right? Right? If you spend all your time just giving project updates, send an email instead and don't waste any of your time.
0: Right. Yeah. I love the conversation, hearing you guys and getting the details because a lot of people don't talk about this, but then they expect. those results so understanding that getting clear i like the define analyze strategize implement and monitor like those are areas where not only the technologies but like you said this is what the business is doing and how you can contribute to it will make the difference so my friends make sure that you take the time like go back pause Write down, pause again. Am I doing it? No, I need to make this a priority. Write down your notes, send us a message. Make sure you share, you subscribe, and we'll see you on our next episode.